Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Welcome to another episode of Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I'm really excited to have with me Jen Anderson, who is a recovering perfectionist and an accomplice in chief. Hi, Jen. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this uh, topic today with you, which is perfectionism. So um, let's just get started with you introducing yourself to the audience and and letting us know like how you came to be the accomplished in chief that you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I confession, I always have to confess, I get a lot of migraines. And I've had them since I was 12. And the past 10 years or so, they started getting a lot more frequent and worse, and none of the medication was working. And I started to suspect that there was something underneath that was keeping all these preventatives from helping me. So um, I started looking into mind body health eventually, and you know, I went through all the alternative healths and Absolutely. fell into that and discovered that if you are a perfectionist, a people pleaser, or have had childhood trauma, um, however, your brain interprets trauma. Um, your brain can then distract you by creating pain. If you never say no to things, your body is going to cause pain so that you have to say no, that sort of thing. And it will go with whatever neural pathways are well-developed. So I, I got migraines anyway. So that's the way it went with other people. It could be a back injury a knee injury, what have you. And sometimes when the migraines are not working, my, my back or my knee will start acting up and I will tell my brain, no, 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 no. I know what you're doing. This is, <laughs> this is not going to work. Give it a rest. Um, so one thing I discovered um, was the Curable Health app, which is very helpful. It takes you, there are a few apps like that, that will take you through the whole mind, body health process and different exercises. Um, and even they will tell you, give up perfectionism. And then they'll just say, yeah, just do that. Mm, yeah, if just you, do that. If you, yeah, if you Google how to give up perfectionism, there's nothing really. There's a couple of books, maybe and a bunch of articles saying, okay, this is why it's bad. And yeah, you should stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And we're perfectionists. We need the perfect way to give up perfectionism. Right. Even finding the way we're going to get stuck in that cycle, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, I stumble around, I found um, a way that worked for me by making um, bad art. Um, and I ended up designing an app. Um, it's a, it's a to-do app for recovering perfectionists, which so is coming soon. It's a, there'll be a Kickstarter at some point. Oh, cool. um, yeah. And the thing, what, the thing about to-do lists is that perfectionists are never happy. We'll always add more things to our list because we think, oh, I can do more than that. I'm not trying to do enough. And then you don't do everything. And all you can see is the two things you didn't cross out. 
that shouldn't have been on the list in the first place. And you beat yourself up and it's just this overwhelm and this, this pressure you put on yourself. There's no satisfaction. You are never satisfied with your performance. So most to-do lists are designed to help you not forget things. You have to remember everything. We're perfectionists. We do remember everything. We remember too much. We should forget some stuff. So um, a to-do app that takes that approach in a little gentler, does not, you know, bright red overdue status and that sort of thing. It just does not push your perfectionism buttons. Gotcha. Cool. So I have to confess, I am also a recovering perfectionist. And um, yeah, I, I think we are taught this from a very young age. At least um, in my experience, I was raised by a perfectionist parent. And um, so I think a lot of us are taught that this is how we get love. This is how we get acceptance. This is how we survive in our family dynamic. And then honestly, if you think about and look at how our education structure is set up, I think that also too perpetuates this perfectionism that we have to get good grades to get into a good school so we can have a good career and be successful. And if we don't do those things, then we must be complete failures. And, you know, like you, like maybe a lot of people don't go to that complete extreme, but perfectionists do. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. So um, beyond all of that, like why, why else is it bad? It can keep us from starting things. If you don't think, okay, I don't know enough to do this. I want to write a short story. Okay, but I don't know enough about creating characters or, you know, I've had problems writing plot in the past. So let me read three books about how to do this before I let myself get this story that's in my head out of my head onto paper. And by the time I've read all those things, that story is no longer in my head. Okay, so we're obsessed with the how. Right. We have to do it perfectly or we'll start something and give up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not good enough. You know, if we're learning to draw, we're learning to play an instrument, learning to sing. It, it's you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do it badly. But perfectionists have trouble accepting that. Yeah. Do you think it's more of uh, maybe it's a combination of both and maybe it depends on the person. But because I feel like uh, in some ways perfectionists, because I've seen this both, you know, in myself and and my my parent that is the perfectionist and other people too, they almost get stuck in the mental aspect and never get into the action. Or then you have some that uh, will get to the action steps, but then they get in the cycle of like redo, 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 and then complete, like quit. Absolutely. And some people do both. Yeah. If you, you finally get yourself to start something and then you think, oh no, oh no. <laughs> or you think, okay, I need to redo this and need to reorganize the cabinets, but oh, I can't just reorganize one shelf to start. I have to, right, you know, you one thing. shelf, you do it perfectly and, and you're exhausted and then you don't organize the rest. Yeah. It, it's that, that huge hurdle to just start and then you still sabotage yourself. It is. And that's a lot. One of the things I talk about a lot in my coaching practice is you just have to start. And this is one of the things that I've learned through my recovery as a perfectionist, which I'm still recovering because it's one of those things like you, you're good and you know, you're whatever, however you want to label it productive, or you feel like you're moving forward or you don't feel paralyzed and in the cycle and then something will happen and you'll either get overwhelmed, re-triggered, 
whatever it is, maybe learning something new is when you find yourself back in the pattern again. Um, but yeah, so you just have to start. And so talk, take us through some other things that you found that are uh, really helpful to help people just even to start like deconstructing this perfection um, tendency that we have. Well, the thing is, is that perfectionism is usually something else. There's something behind it. Perfectionism on its own is a symptom and it's a survival tactic. Mm-hmm. And it could be because of anxiety. It could be just your upbringing. It, it could be that you, you just need to feel a level of control. You know, whenever we hear, oh, so-and-so got cancer. Oh, did they smoke? You know, that's everyone's first reaction because I don't smoke. And therefore I have control over whether or not I'm going to get cancer, which is not true. Mm-hmm. So we tell ourselves if I am the perfect girlfriend, the perfect patient, the perfect whatever, that no, no, nothing wrong will go, nothing will go wrong in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's simply not true. And we hold on to that so hard. So I think that it, it helps to do some journaling, figure out what's behind it. I think really it, it's some, some people need to uh, work with a therapist, uh, get some self-help books. Um, I've always said there, there is no problem that $50 at a bookstore can't solve. <laughs> I like that you capped it at fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> of course, got 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 to live it myself. Have a limit. Yeah. <laughs> Boundaries. Oh, which brings yeah. me also back. Yeah. So you were talking about when your body creates, your brain creates the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that it. Um, I heard like the 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 words forced boundaries, like your body, and ultimately, like your higher self and your spirit are like, uh, uh-uh. uh. No, like we're going to give you this so that you stop. You have to stop. (laughs) You cannot keep going. (laughs) Absolutely. And it amazes me now that I've learned boundaries. It astounds me how differently I used to think. I mean, to the point that, but if you love somebody and they're getting upset and you don't get upset too, that means you don't love them. Of course, if you love them, you would get upset too. You'd have to share in their emotions and be in charge of controlling their emotions. And that's freaking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And the fact that so many people, so many experts will just say that, like, it's nothing. Like, you don't have to go there with them. Like, really? This is a huge revelation to some of us. Especially uh, those of us that are empaths. Yes. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. And if you have people around you who have anxiety that's out of control, who um, just can't control their own emotions, Mm -hmm. you do start to feel like you need to control it. Because someone has to be the adult in the room. Right, right. And it just builds some really bad habits because the adult in the room really should be calm and, and not have to go there with you and, and, and help you. But also then you feel like, okay, I have to help them calm down. Well, that person's twice my age. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 12. Why am I the one? Yeah. And all I the think, adults. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for almost being, um, like the calm within the storm when you're around those people that either they're in like the, an acute meltdown, let's call it, or if they're just constantly vibrating at the level of frantic or, you know, overwhelm, then, um, I, you know, it takes practice. And I think understanding that we aren't actually doing them a service by vibrating where they are and being pulled into that vortex that we actually can be helpful if we do stay calm and just, you know, holding space, allowing them to maybe like work through what they need to, but then hopefully, you know, what we put out into the world 
maybe like they'll see that as their reflection and mirror that back. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> and then we resent it, not on a conscious level necessarily, but we get very angry about it and we repress that and we hold it in our bodies. And that itself can just cause pain and illness because I mean, I clench my teeth so badly that I'm going to bite through my night guard one of these days. <laughs> it is amazing looking at it going, oh my no wonder, what was I doing? My poor molars before I got this thing. <laughs> and in my sleep when I'm supposed to be relaxed. Yeah, so yeah. all this tension, of course, it, it's going to let our nervous systems get overstimulated very easily because we're halfway there as it is. You know, I describe migraines as, you know, a cat knocking a, a dish off of the counter. And with different medications and stuff, you can catch it. And some things you can keep the cat off of the counter. But it, if that thing, that glass is right on the edge of the counter, it's a lot more likely to get knocked off and might not even need a cat. Maybe you're just walking by, by and knocking it over. Right. It, it's the, if you're, you know, farther away from the edge, the more calm and the more um, relaxed your nervous system can be, the less likely your body is, is to give you a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So, hmm. Where do I want to go from here? So really then, so you've mentioned journaling. Is there any specific type or, because I think a lot of this really has to do about cultivating awareness. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think what works for you, some people might work with journal prompts. Well, um, I like doing morning pages, which oh, you don't yeah. have to do with the morning, just free writing. Yeah. And you have to do three pages, three sides, not three sheets. The perfectionist in me had to check that <laughs> because I used to think it was three sheets and that's too much. It's, it's three sides okay. um, of a notebook, whatever, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And you have to do all of that because until the third, second or third page, you are just clearing the pipes and then something will come through. Maybe towards the second half of the second page, the third page, and you go, oh, that's interesting. I need to unpack that now. Okay. So I think also too there, but there needs to be this willingness there. So we, so let's sort of like go through like the steps like, oh, hmm, I'm a perfectionist. Okay. <laughs> Awareness step number one. Yes. And, then, and then, you know, the next step then is a willingness and a curiosity to see, hmm, what am I going to do about it? How is it affecting my life? Is it something that I'm using in a productive way? Or is it something that's like totally taking me out with migraines or, you know, um, allowing like people that just suck me dry of my energy and I'm exhausted all the time, whatever it is, uh, how, so let's, you know, like get curious. So yeah, I think that's where, um, journaling could be really helpful or again, working with a practitioner, health coach, therapist, whatever, um, to really understand. And like you said, unpack where it's coming in, where it's, you know, manifests, it rears its ugly little head, if you want to say it in that way. And then again, you know, no learning. I think there's also this learning curve too, like learning it's okay to fail and all the different ways that failure can look like, and they're all okay. And none of them are life-threatening and, none, you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not going to literally die if you don't have everything perfect. Yes, there's a really great writing exercise called writing the script out to the end. What's the worst that could happen? And when you look at it now, you've thought it through, and especially if you have anxiety, it actually takes away your anxiety that you've thought it through and you've figured out how you react to it. 
Yeah. Okay. The worst that could happen is, you know, my business fails. I've wasted a few thousand dollars. I've learned something. Eh, all right. I can live with that. Worst things have happened to me. Right. That, you know, so it, it's, you know, it's difficult to face up to that because you're always in, in this hamster wheel of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But really, it's hurting your mental health. It's hurting your productivity. So it, it helps to, to realize that it is okay. One thing that I, I like to tell people to do is find something you're bad at and you don't care that you're bad at it. <laughs> it drives me absolutely crazy that I don't speak French better. I I've t- took it in school for many years. I spent time, I've traveled there. I live there. My French, not that great. But Spanish, I mean, despite the fact that I'm in the U.S. and everyone is surrounded by people speaking Spanish, my Spanish isn't great. And I, I'm okay with that for some reason. So learning Spanish with an app, I make mistakes and it's annoying that I make mistakes, but it, you know, I don't get as upset as when I use an app to try to brush up my French mm-hmm. or drawing. Everyone always told me if you practice drawing, you'll get better at it, which is probably true, but I can't get to that point. But making collages, painting with watercolors, that doesn't bother me for, for some reason. And I just started making collages as a way of, of art therapy. Mm-hmm. just trying to get get out the emotions and things that I couldn't even say just going through magazines and if you are angry I recommend ripping up a cooking magazine because there are a lot of pictures of knives <laughs> I love it <laughs> sometimes there's some fire too some great imagery nice yeah. and the collages were all were awful you know they weren't they and that's fine they weren't supposed to be good and my my husband god love him said well oh this is really nice we should hang this up on the fridge like, no <laughs> supposed to no. be bad it's <laughs> purpose well not necessarily it's just you know it's okay don't praise me for this that's funny and and I kept at it and you know I've been making collages for a couple of years now and I've kind of veered into multimedia art and um sorry mixed media art I always keep saying the wrong things um calling it the wrong name but uh yes I've improved a little bit sure and I've learned some techniques it's not great. It's not going to be in a gallery. No one's going to love it. I give away mini collages to people just because I can't keep them in the house. You know, I'm, they're there. And I look at them sometimes, but it's like, no, no, there's just too many. I need to produce the art and get rid of it. And you send it out to the world. Here's a nice little gift. Use it as a bookmark, whatever. <laughs> and, and for me, it's, you know, I, I did learn to get better. I got curious about some things, which tools to use, which techniques, and, and that was a fun hobby. I was learned and it, you can't really say, oh, I'm, I did collaging wrong. Right. You know, that's yeah. the thing. There's, there's a lot of art. And for some reason, creativity and perfectionism you know, clash quite often and because people are afraid to, to show their work or they're afraid to start their work. And you just have to make the bad stuff and you have, you have to learn and, and just have fun with it. We're human beings. Humans make art. We don't have to sell art. We create things. We sing because we like to. Yeah. It, it, it music, we, we write things. It's just a thing. Folk art is just as valid as insider art, as art school art. <laughs> it's just not necessarily in a gallery. And all right, fine. You want to call my, my messy collages or my art, uh, art journal folk art? Great. That's very kind of you. That's very, you know, that's yeah. a really nice way of describing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, fan fiction, fan fiction is folk art. 
it's not just a way to learn how to write. It's yeah, you're playing with other, other people's characters, but there are people who do that for a living. Mm-hmm. They write, you know, tie-in novels. They, it's fan fiction, but it's sanctioned. So it, it's anything that we look down on. And no, it's valid. Yeah. If we think, you know, uh, Paradise Lost, it's biblical fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, That's funny. I've never thought about that. That way. That's awesome. <laughs> So we, we put down our efforts and they're actually fine and it yeah. doesn't have to be good. And all right. Yes. Singing. I, I was in the chorus in college. So I know, yes, you can hit a bad note. And if you don't hit that note, you are singing wrong, but it's fine. Yes. But I think you brought up a good point that these things are supposed to be fun. Like life in general is supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. And when we get so obsessed with having each little thing so absolutely perfect, it totally takes the fun out of it. And really like whose definition of perfect is it anyway, because we all have a different perspective. And so our definition of perfect might not be your definition of perfect. And I might see like, let's take art, for example, and I might do this watercolor and I think it's great. And I'm so proud of it. And I show it to you. You're like, wow, that's, that's crappy or like, you know, whatever it is. And because I put it up on this pedestal, now I'm crushed and devastated because you didn't see it in the same way that I did. So again, it just sets us up for like this vicious cycle of, um, of almost just like being deflated and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, so now you're deflated. You're like, oh, well now I feel crappy. I'm not going to do that again. Cause I don't want to feel like that again. And yet we still put ourselves in that same cycle over and over and over. Yes, yes but <laughs> everyone is entitled to their incorrect opinion. Yes, yeah. And the thing is, is if we value someone's opinion, then it holds more weight with us and it hurts us more. And we value our own opinions more than anyone else's. I am the expert in me. I know everything that I've done wrong. Every mess, messy corner of my apartment, every um, every error, everything that I could not have, I could have done perfectly throughout a day. I'm there for, and therefore I see all that. And I have a much lower opinion of myself than other people who only see me when I'm, I'm ready to socialize and they don't see all the different messy corners and what have you. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, to remember that, you know, that that's all we see of each other. And yeah, I'm, I'm the expert in me, but I have an incorrect opinion. I, I am un unfairly biased like we look on social media and we see oh someone is going on and on about oh my teenage sons i'm so proud of them and you think oh right yeah sure your kids are perfect they're not saying that they're saying i'm so proud of my teenage boys for for achieving and graduating even though their their bedrooms look like a disaster area they're not saying their kids are perfect it just that's what we hear Mm -hmm. because we don't see any of that and oh, I just love one of my cousins shared a picture of her kids, or, or like oh, three or four of them having a meltdown. And I just love her so much for doing that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think we need more meltdowns on social media. Yes. <laughs> but I think, again, you brought up a good point that we just have to decide not to care what other people think. Because again, we put so much weight on it and then it's not what we want to hear or not what we expected. And then we allow that to affect our energy, to affect our opinions of ourselves. And so we have to come into this place of non-self-judgment and, yes. and, and a level of acceptance 
And um, I love that word decide because it's it's a very uh, decisive, active. active. Yes. yes, thank you. Wait, <laughs> that sounds redundant, decisive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it it again because it's a, such an active word that we it innately brings with it the sense of accomplishment, and then like, okay, I've decided this. Now I can move on to the next step. And, you know, and so it, it doesn't leave us in this wishy-washy place. Yes, exactly. And other people have good opinions. If you're learning how to do something, if it's constructive, you might want to listen to it, but you don't have to value that every time. You can get some really bad advice. If you're feeling inside you that, oh no, this is not, I'm not, this isn't right for me. The way that I'm doing this is not working. Then you're correct. It's not working. It doesn't feel authentic to you. Other people have different opinions and different advice, but it doesn't necessarily apply to you because you do know yourself better than everyone else. But to give them control like that, to give, let them decide the value of your work and to, to connect the value of your work to your personal value. That's another thing that we, we have when we don't have boundaries. We don't realize that you're, you have value just for existing. Yes, yes. We're really giving our value and our power away. Uh, which I think is a huge revelation. I'm all about empowerment and teaching people how to take their power back and to be in their power and to, you know, really own it and love it and thrive in it. And um, that's something I've never really thought about is like when we are stuck in this professional cycle, how much we're giving away and we're just forfeiting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, the reason that I love create creative projects for getting rid of productivity is that you you have your experience, everything that you've watched and read, you can create things that no one else can. And so is it perfect? Is it not? If you're familiar, there's a website called The Toast um, and Daniel Lavery um, has continued some of that writing in a, a Substack. And the way that man's mind works, it is amazing that, you know, he, there's, all these pieces of you know, women trying to get out of conversations in Western art. And there's all these pictures of, of women uh, and women trying to get out of conversations, essentially. That's not what the paintings are supposed to be of, but that is kind of what it is. And then he writes some dialogue underneath it. And it, it's all these things that you would see in, in your art classes and museums. And you're, yeah, that does, that could be what's going on, actually. That, and that's hilarious. And how did he think of that? Right. Because even those artists that we now put up literally up on a pedestal, they were doing it for themselves at the time, mm -hmm. all throughout time. It was to help them feel fulfilled. And they, when they felt in alignment, you know, creating this art and creating whatever medium it was, whether it's music or visual art or, you know, any of that. And it's really funny that, you know, now we give it meaning and we give it labels and, it could be, and it could, it could be anything, you know, I mean, come on, Van Gogh, he was pretty, you know, high on a lot of drugs. A lot of the time, Salvador Dali, <laughs> like, <laughs> they were not producing this stuff to, for it to be perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Van Gogh just had to get it out. Yeah. And I love, I love, those are two of my favorite artists are Van Gogh and Dali. I mm -hmm. love them. So, yeah. All right. So tell me more about, um, you mentioned it a little bit before, but tell me more about the app 
and how people will interact with it and um and then the community too i want to hear about this community that you've created okay and okay uh well the app and i've actually i'm putting together a video workshop on how to uh, modify your paper system because some people aren't going to switch to an app um no matter what and so it, it's gonna be your standard to-do app with different kinds of lists like the getting things done uh, method but you don't have to do it that way if you want mm -hmm. and instead there's no overdue status but there is a skipped status Ooh. and a delegated status because skipped it it's yes. sometimes you're just not going to get to it and that's fine but just leaving it there and having to delete it or having the market completed it it's just you feel like you're lying to yourself you feel like a failure um, it's inaccurate and that pokes your your perfectionism buttons so just being able to normalize to yourself skipped delegated okay postponed in, in the paper system obviously in, in an app yeah. you can just carry oh, i really it like the delegated one yes that's so empowering too because yeah we we get to decide that we don't actually have to do it all and that yeah. maybe someone can do it better than we can and it'll be done faster <laughs> yes exactly it amazes me it absolutely amazes me even just like updating my website just adding links to um, other blog posts that I've, I've written and you know last time i hired a va it was done in less than an hour it would have taken me forever to do it right and yes, just because so they're free. not <laughs> yes just because they're not up in it for some reason it, it's nice that there are people willing to help you and people you can hire to help you and we are part of a community yes. and it does actually help you feel connected yes we didn't talk about that how perfectionism can really make you feel isolated and absolutely you feel worse than everyone else and you feel feel alone you feel like you cannot admit to other people exactly how bad how terrible you are how messy your house is please or how overwhelmed and how paralyzed you feel and even if you know it's irrational that this is just what you're feeling like it almost sometimes makes you want to like go off into a corner and be by yourself because you don't want to admit to other people that you're feeling this way exactly and you know it but you don't feel it in your soul mm -hmm. you don't you know you feel it but you yeah, you don't as much as you could. You still have these doubts. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that really helps is make your personal brand perfectionism. Um, <laughs> you know, so, right. Talk about having to show up for that. <laughs> I know. But that's the thing is every time I, I make a mistake, find something I did wrong. Um, recently, I saw a blog post. Um, I made, in a blog post, I, I was not grammatically as perfect as it could have been. There was like one sentence. And that was the pull quote that I put into like Instagram posts and stuff. And I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's wrong. But do I go back and fix it or do I just leave it and stay on brand? Leave it, leave it. Yes, exactly. Every time Resist I mess the up, urge. Every time I mess up, I am setting an example. I am an inspiration. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's, you know, um, I've learned this too, as I've grown my business and my brand too, that people do want to see the imperfections because that's what makes us human. There is no perfect human out there ever anywhere. <laughs> and the, the, the imperfections is what makes we, us all relatable, that we all struggle. You know, even if we're teaching about something, the fact that it, and it gives us more credibility uh, also is that this is something I've struggled with. This is how I overcame it, you know, and and this is how we help other people too. So, yeah. Yeah. There, and there is a wonderful quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that I'm just going to slaughter. So I'll, I'll just paraphrase it. <laughs> you have to do the thing that you're afraid to do. 
And then when, when you must do it, and then when you're done, you can say, okay, I survived that. What else can't I, I, you know, what else can I do? Yes. And it, it's because we put on the, this, this veneer of perfection and it just separates us from each other. Even on social media, social media is wonderful for people to find their tribe, to, to connect, to learn. But if we are only, if we're all trying to be influencers, if we're all, we, we are making such an effort to look perfect for our, you know, our high school friends who we haven't seen in 30 years. So who really cares, but you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. Social media, we wouldn't be talking to them anyway. <laughs> exactly. But then we also don't have to travel all that way to go to reunions. Right. Either, so that's nice. <laughs> but you know, when we put up this, this false wall, it, it keeps us from them. It keeps it comes between all of us mm-hmm. once you you know you go on twitter and start ranting about this big mistake that you made or or something is just annoying you and then other people will pop in and say oh yeah that annoys me too oh i get that there have been times where rather than journaling i've just done a twitter thread trying to figure out you know oh this is frank uh, like a friendship breakup or something like that and other people will pop in and go oh yes friendship breakups are the worst and, you know, some people, when they say they don't like drama, that means that they actually cause the drama. <laughs> and you get wonderful insight mm-hmm. on Twitter, which everyone thinks is, you know, a, a cesspool. And it, it's even the Reddit, mm-hmm. the, the, the Reddit relationships and the, the am I the, the a-hole um, subreddit is actually give me hope for humanity because people will take time out of their day to say, okay, this is where, the mistake you're making. Uh, okay, this is why you're wrong. You need to look into this, um, or or no, honey, yeah, he is gaslighting you. <laughs> yeah. You know, people aren't just there for entertainment; they are there to support complete strangers, and it is so heartening. But it's yeah. because, and also, people will do these posts anonymously, which is fine for you know professional reasons. Maybe you don't want to put all your dirty laundry out there, and. But still, all these people are just chiming in to help you because you're um, exposing your flaws. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So tell me about the community that you've created, the accomplice community. Yes. It's, uh, we've actually just moved it to Facebook. It's a oh, Facebook cool. group now. Okay. It was on the website and it's just one too many places for people to go yeah. online is the thing. So the purpose of the group is for everyone to encourage each other. You know, let, let's talk about it. What, where is your perfectionism bothering you the most? Let's, let's talk about our messy kitchens. At some point I will be sharing a picture of my kitchen sink and (laughs) it will be embarrassing, but hopefully it will inspire others to do the same. And it's just so we can support each other. Is because the most powerful thing is to realize it's not just you. Right. Oh, no, there's so many of us. <laughs> there's so yes. many. It's so, I, you know, it's, I think one could actually label it an epidemic <laughs> because it's so cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think there's a mother alive who thinks that she's doing a good enough job. All because, oh, yeah. all because she's not perfect. She has this image of a perfect mom, except all these images of perfect moms are con- are in conflict with each other. Yeah. You know, you're being too nurturing. You're being too hands off. There's always going to be someone telling you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. 
you'll have 10 people telling you you're, you're doing it wrong and you're wrecking your kids and none of them will agree with each other. Mm-hmm. And yet we still somehow feel in our bones that we have to be the perfect spouse, the perfect employee, the perfect parent. And it's just not possible. You can be as good as you can be, but there is no one point. You know, and you have to parent the kids that you have. So there really is no one way. Right. I mean, and we're dynamic beings, meaning we're always changing. And so to me, um, perfectionism is almost like this apex that once you get there, then all will be good and all will be complete and all will be done. But that, again, is not realistic for being on this earth. <laughs> it's <laughs> magical thinking. Yeah. So it's just an unreasonable expectation every way you look at it. And so we really just have to start unlearning that. And if we are parents, catch ourselves if we start projecting that onto our kids And really maybe, you know, as aware parents and aware grandparents or any sort of family member, we can really start deconstructing it and say, you know what, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to fail because we're your family. We love you. We're here to support you when that happens. And think about all the things you're going to learn when you fail and you're going to learn to do it better and faster and whatever it is, make more money, like all the different things that happen as we make mistakes and we learn and we grow. Yeah, exactly. It, it's I had a, I took Latin in high school against my will, and <laughs> the teacher was just crusty. He he loved to yell, but every day we would have a, a quiz for five vocabulary words. He would tell us what they were the day before. We'd have to learn them, and then he would quiz us. And every day he's like, "You know it or you don't. Pass it up. It's fine." Yeah. If it's if it's a quiz every day, getting a zero isn't going to hurt your grade. It's it's statistically, it's not going to affect your grade. And that was the first time it ever occurred to me that you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to have straight A's. You could still get A's with, you know, a couple of zeros on your test. Mm -hmm. The purpose of those quizzes were for us to force us to learn and force us to memorize. It never occurred to me that, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it perfectly. And students today, grade school up through college are nervous wrecks because they think they have to be perfect and the economy is bad and student loans are huge and the deck is just stacked against them. And so anything less than perfect is going to hurt them. Oh yeah. I had my first panic attack when I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't over anything that now I would consider significant, but at the time and whatever was swirling around in my head was so significant that I decided I needed to hyperventilate. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I totally get it. And, um, I think that with this aware, you know, I think so many of us are moving towards the direction of awareness about so many things and we can really, uh, change the evolution of humanity. And I know that sounds really big, but I think it's possible. Yes, we set out ripples. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You affect other people, then, you know, a hundred years from now, everyone, you know, you won't be remembered. You can't name your great-grandparents, for example, your your great-great-grandparents. But the ripples that they sent out, the, the influence they had on their kids, on their friends, and then the friends passed on to other people, that lasts. Mm-hmm. Just like there's generational trauma, there can be generational healing. Absolutely. Yay. Yes. Ooh, I love that. 
Yes. And I, I liked what you said about how this, this pinnacle, everything is okay. This magical thinking when you're perfect, we don't let our lives begin. We think, okay, once I quote unquote, lose the weight, if I do this and I get a better job, if I, once I get married, then my life can begin. And it's, it's, we're wasting our time when we're giving ourselves uh, too much pressure and we're depriving ourselves of enjoyment. Yes. You know, I, I wish I got married in my late thirties and I really wish I could go back to me in my early twenties and say, it'll happen. Don't worry. Enjoy being single. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about being alone and unloved for all eternity. Just ha- enjoy it. Yes. Yes. Life happens every day and every minute and every second. And we're a lot of times too distracted with obsessing about what if in the future or man, I really screwed up and I wish I could go back and change that other thing. So. Yeah, that's the other thing. We're the perfectionist about our past. Mm-hmm. And for, for a while, I went through this period where I was beating myself up. I was just so mad that I didn't make better choices in my 20s. And then I realized something. I actually, I write fiction as one of my other jobs, but um, I wrote a novel about someone like me in their early 20s, but who made different choices. And I realized, oh, if they're going to make different choices, they have to have a different background. They have to have a different personality, a different family. And that's when it clicked for me. I didn't have every choice in the world available to me. I had every choice that I could see Mm. that, you know, and even, you know, your background can act literally restrict some of your options. Mm -hmm. And it, it blew my mind to think that, okay, I didn't completely ruin my life. I just did my best. Yeah. And I think I, I'm glad that you brought that up too. like the power of choices though, because even if we, you know, do grow up in a, um, even if we just say like a financially limited fashion, we still have choices, you know, and, and even the choice of allowing that to limit us or uh, maybe propel us forward and maybe, you know, motivate us in a different way. So yes, choices are so powerful and, but not again, beating ourselves up for the choices that we made in the past and just accepting what we did and how that brought us to where we are today and how much more educated or more experienced or lessons learned any, you know, cause every choice changes us too. Exactly. And there are people who don't learn from their mistakes or from choices that didn't work out as well. And comparing ourselves to others is not the healthiest thing to do, but you know, when you think, Oh yeah, I was with that guy for a year and a half and that, that shouldn't have lasted more than a couple of months. And <laughs> Then you look back and think, well, you know, at the beginning, he was exactly the boyfriend I needed for a little while. And and so he was important. And yeah, it should have ended. But I know other people in my life who should have gotten divorced 30 years ago. So it didn't. So you compare and think, okay, well, that is another way that I could have gone. Yes. So it's like, all right, okay, that that's my choice was my choice. Things happened. If I had to do it over again, it fine. But once I made up my mind that I wasn't putting up with anything, any nonsense from people, all of a sudden the people, no one tried to mistreat me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, nobody was, you know, if, you know, especially um, with the online dating, you know, back in the, in the early aughts, it was, oh, it was wonderful. You can't get hung up on one insufferable hipster when you have a whole catalog of insufferable hipsters to choose from fine. That one doesn't like me. That one didn't want to respond. Who cares? Right. And 
then when you do go out with someone and you're like, yeah, I don't really like his sense of humor, but there's a whole catalog of other guys, you don't think, oh, that's my only option. Right? Like, we should be celebrating the fact that there are so many options. That is what we should be focused on celebrating, not obsessing and feeling crappy about the one and maybe multiple that were crappy dates or, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. Cause you're just figuring out what's going to be better. Exactly. And it's, you know, I use the dating metaphor with, um, with job hunting too. It, mm-hmm. It's the right fit. It's not about being good enough, which is what we tell ourselves. It's about the right fit. Mm-hmm. And you know, the higher, mm-hmm. the more skilled someone is, if they're a manager um, they're senior level paralegal or whatever, it's going to take them longer to find a job that's the right fit mm-hmm. because there are fewer people up at that level. And they, it just, you know, kills you when you're job hunting and you can't find anything, but no, it's about finding the right match. Yes. You know, yes. It, it's not about being good enough and no one wanting you. But also too, I think it also gives us, I love that you brought this up too, that because because this gives us the opportunity and I think dating as well to really um, hone what we want and how we want to show up for it. So whether it's the relationship or the job, whatever it is, we, by filtering through all the different options, we get clarity on what we want and how we want to show up in a way that feels good to us, hopefully, so that we hopefully learn that we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves into this little box that we've created of, mm-hmm. our, of our own creation and, and definition, but that we have the freedom to show up as our true authentic selves and get paid for it and be loved for it and live a fantastic effing life. <laughs> yes. And it helps us when we figure out what we don't want, it helps us figure out what we do want. Absolutely. Because there's so many options we just don't know. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, um, is there anything that is a burning desire that we haven't talked about before we wrap up today? Um, looking at my notes now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we pretty much talked about everything and more. This has been a really great conversation. Fantastic. Yes. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to put your link to your 51 ways to let go of perfection up on the show notes page. And, um, yeah. And if there's anything else that you feel so called, um, later you can think of, just send it to me and I'll throw it up there. And, um, where is there, do you have, uh, we can also put the link to your Facebook group. So mm-hmm. other recovering perfectionists can, um, can hop in there and get some support and help. Yes. I'll send you all the links. We've got, um, we're on, we have some social media accounts for team accomplished. Okay, cool. Yes. Want people to join the team. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate it. And we will um, talk to you later, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.